Our hope is that through this fake news series that we will recognize the need to maybe confess before God our shortcomings in these areas because it does penetrate our hearts when we, stop thinking, when we start thinking about uh, judging others as we'll look at this morning. And so as we process through the rest of the service, I encourage you to think about what is God speaking to you on. When I finish up the touches of my message on Saturday, and particularly Saturday night, I just really pray that the Spirit of God would descend on us in a powerful way. And part of that is to see where we need to change, to see where we need to grow, to become more faithful followers of our, our Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we always pray that as we are here gathering as a community of faith, that we do not leave this place without being changed in some way. And so this morning, Father, may you touch our hearts. Touch our hearts in a powerful way because we want you. The prayers that were prayer and the song that was sung, Father, are need for you. But we need your help, Father, each day. Amen. Why did we pick a subject called fake news? Well, quite, we understand in the culture, there's a lot of discussion about fake news. It seems in the world we live in that truth is all, all, seems to be determined by whatever furthers the cause. And so whatever the cause is in society, whatever contributes to that is defined as truth. Well, I think that's a misunderstanding. I also think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what Jesus actually taught. Again, Jesus is being remade in people's image or being remade what furthers causes in our lives and society. And I think it's important if we want to really be wholehearted followers of Jesus that we really pay attention to what Jesus is really saying. And what he really speaks into our lives, he speaks with the authority of the Son of God and desires for us to walk with him. So our subject, we should not judge others. Is that true? For Christians, we should not judge others. Is that, in the passage of Scripture that was read this morning, is that really what Jesus is saying? Charles Barkley, a basketball player turned to be a social critic, said, Christians are not supposed to judge other people, but they are the most hypocritical judge of people we have in our country. The question is, is that right? And why is he saying such a statement to the general public of our culture? Our our culture generally says that we should not judge others. It is not our place to judge anyone's moral behavior. The The practical reality is, if you stop and think about it, we're making judgments all the time. We cannot escape in life making judgments, and it often fits with our view of life, and when something is not congruent with our view of life, we are constantly making judgments all the time. Our culture says, true love is accepting love, whatever people do. We must tolerate other people's choices and lifestyles, and if we offer correction, we are closed-minded, we're arrogant, and we're bigots. Tolerance, by definition, is the right one has to disagree with us, even if we do not approve of it. And I think in human society, that is absolutely right. And we ought to be champions of that in society and culture. We respect that right. At the same time, we're called to speak into the society and culture of the great moral issues of our day, regardless of what people think. The caveat is how we do it, what is our motivation, and ultimately, what is our attitude. 
It's not judging culture, folks, to speak into culture on society's issues that need to be discussed. The resolutions that we're looking at of the covenant are ones that are rooted in creation. The importance of stewardship, called to co-manage the earth together with God. And a lot of the issues we face today are issues in that arena. We look at the image of God, that we're creating the image of God. Every human being we encounter in all our encounters have human dignity because they're made in the image of God. And so life becomes so important in the quality and the dignity of life. The issue of marriage as defined in Genesis as given to us is a major issue and it's unpacked in Genesis chapter two as we think of human sexuality. And so it isn't judging, folks, to enter in to discussions for the good of our culture that we're a part of. But is it true, let's think, in the context of the church, that we're just to tolerate people's behavior? For those we love in our sphere of influence, are we content to just say true love is just accepting love? The truth is, folks, that we're called to make clear and compassionate judgments in our brothers' and sisters' lives. Let's explore the myth. Jesus says we ought not to judge others. Again, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. I really want you to see that passage because we cannot see that unless we unpack that in the teachings of the great Sermon of the Mount by Jesus. So Matthew chapter 7 is right in the heart of this great, great sermon of Jesus. One of the five sermons that Jesus does somewhat corresponding, at least in form, of the five books of the Old Testament law. This great Sermon of the Mount has its format based upon the law with the the Beatitudes being the Ten Commandments that Jesus is unpacking in, in his context. And then the rest of the law, just like in Exodus, is spelling out the implications of the Beatitudes. But we must look at the broader context of this teaching found in the Sermon on the Mount and the spirit and heart, particularly of the Beatitudes. Because the Beatitudes gives us a different way of looking at life. The religious leaders saw something very different about the disciples. And the reason they gave is because it says that they were people who followed Jesus. Hopefully that can be said of us as we operate so differently in the world because we operate on Jesus' example and his teachings. And the core of Jesus' teachings as he starts out is in this great Sermon of the Mount. It's helpful, I think, for general society, but really the ethics are given for people who are part of the kingdom of God. Any involvement in others' lives should have a certain spirit and heart is impact in the Beatitudes. Think about this. In about a year ago, I preached, we preached on the Beatitudes, and there was a reason for that. In all the tussle of society that's going on and the hostility and the way people treat each other, there's a certain spirit and heart of the followers of Jesus that shines so differently than the spirit and heart of the day. We are people that have our deep dependency on God. We are people whose hearts are tendered to other people's plight because we're mourners. We are people who are humble of heart. We're not prideful and arrogant. We're humble. We're hungry for what is right. We are people of extreme mercy. We desire purity of heart, and we, above all else, are genuine peacemakers. When we understand that core, when we understand that kind of view of life, when we understand that the way that we ought to be in our very essence, it changes our behavior. And the rest of the Sermon on the Mount identifies behaviors. Folks, it's not just external behavior that matters. 
It's issues of the heart that really matters to Jesus. He wants us to be true to our word. We're not people that seeks revenge. We love our enemies. We pray for people that persecute us. We do not do any of our spiritual practices for show. It's not about show. Nothing's about show in the kingdom of God. It's about being authentic and real. And we are not people who are greedy and envious of others. And then he gets to the issue of judging. We do not maliciously judge others, but rather out of deep concern, enter into their lives for the purpose of helping each other to grow. Jesus was deeply concerned that the people of his kingdom did not adopt the harsh, judgmental attitude of the religious leaders of his day. This was critical to Jesus. And this is seen in Matthew chapter 23. He goes on to talk about this this harsh, judgmental attitude of the religious leaders. And flowing from the Sermon on the Mount, he says, that's not our heart. That's not who we are as a people of faith. It becomes a problem when we are more embarrassed by someone else's behavior and their sin than we're embarrassed by our own. Dieter Bonhoeffer says this, the first sign of Christian maturity was a frustration with hypocrisy in the church and a desire to separate from it. Now, folks, if we stopped right there, we'd have some fake news. (laughs) It might give some justification that we can withdraw from the church and hate the church. That's not the case. Because he goes on to say this, but the next sign of growth recognizes that the same hypocrisy in the church is present in oneself. We need to continue to confront others in their sin, but always being painfully aware of our own. The truth is that Christians are not to judge, yet Christians are to judge others. That sounds very postmodern. Yes and no, what is he saying in chapter 7 of this great Sermon on the Mount? Are we to make moral judgments of others? So let's ponder it for a moment. When we judge others, let's look at the text very carefully. We see that we're not about judging others, but rather it becomes a question of how we do it and how we engage with people. We're making judgments again all the time. The first thing we see in verses one through four is to avoid what he calls self-righteousness. And just listen to that. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you'll be judged and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, let's take the speck out of your eye? All the time there's a plank in your eye, you hypocrites. It's pretty strong words, isn't it? You see, what Jesus is saying is it's critically important as we enter into people's lives that we avoid making self-righteous judgments and attitudes. By the way, who is making the judgment by which you would be judged? It might be in the context God himself. The same way you judge others, you will be judged. By the way, that's the moral test that Paul uses in Romans chapter 2 as he's trying to unpack that all human beings are sinful before God. You make judgments of somebody else, but you're you're doing the same behavior and you have condemned yourself. You see, a judgmental spirit that pervades, if it pervades in any community, creates a hostile environment because we tend to reciprocate with the way in which we are taught. And he says, you have a little speck of dry wood in, your, in, uh, in another person's eye, and you have a rafter beam used in the temple that's sticking out of your eye as the imagery that he uses. Hypocrites. 
You're claiming to have moral standards and beliefs that you don't intend at all to follow. He describes as hypocrisy. It's true that human nature encourages us to pay far more attention to the shortcomings of others than our own faults. I love the Quaker wisdom that when they gather, they say, we are so concerned about focusing on ourselves and our needs and my need for growth that I don't have time to be judging others. There's some truth to that because the focus needs to be, where am I in this issue? I'll tell you honestly, when I'm not doing well spiritually, I tend to be more judgmental, judgmental, self-righteous, and hypocritical. When I'm not doing well spiritually, I get, it just seems to be that I, I just, I'm, instead of looking here, because I don't, I'm looking out there, and it's not the right spirit. I tend to be more indifferent to the deep needs of people around me when I'm spiritually discontent. I don't care at that point because I'm so self-focused. It can be so destructive. Pursuing self-righteousness will always be focused on ourselves. And it's dangerous. What he's saying, there's a certain kind of spirit we must have. And, and he's particularly talking about the people of the kingdom of God. We, flowing from the Beatitudes, flowing from that attitude, we have a certain heart and spirit that makes us not bitter, judgmental people towards others. But he does tell us we need to confront one another. He does that in verse 5. He talks about confronting one another. You hypocrites, first take out the plank of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your other person's eye. You know what he's really saying to us is, once we settle that, we become caring confronters. When we take out the planks, we are keenly aware of our own faults and needs, and we become more sensitive to others. Self-assessment and confession to God moves us to carefully and compassionately to care for others. If you're dealing with somebody in your life and and we are well aware of it, we will be more sensitive to others who are facing the similar circumstances that we are in life. It's important to understand the other person's situation in this removal process. The great ancient rabbi Hillel says, do not judge a person until you yourself has entered into their situation. Stories told of a grocery store cashier wrote to advise a columnist to explain why she, these people bought birthday cakes in bags of shrimp with their food stamps. People on welfare treated themselves to such non-essentials and they're lazy and wasteful, the writer writes. A few weeks later, the column was devoted entirely to the response to that letter. One Roman woman wrote, I didn't buy a cake, but I did buy a big bag of shrimp with food stamps. You see, my husband had been working at a plant for 15 years when it shut down. The shrimp casserole I made for our wedding anniversary dinner, and it lasted three weeks. Perhaps this grocery clerk who criticized this woman would have a different view of life after walking a mile in my shoes. Another woman wrote, I'm the woman who bought a $17 cake and paid for it with food stamps. I thought that the checkout woman in the store would burn a hole through me with her eyes. What she didn't know is the cake was for my little girl's birthday party. It was her last. She had bone cancer and would probably be gone within six to eight months. You never know what other people are dealing with until you sit with them. You know, we need to care enough, folks, care enough to confront. We care enough about people, but we need to be informed as we enter into people's lives. 
We don't lay aside our spiritual faculties, but resist the urge to speak harshly to others. How can I be helpful when I see a destructive pattern of behavior in a fellow believer's life? How can I be constructive? Why? Because Jesus says we ought to care what's going on in people's lives. Folks, it's not that we ought not to care for one another, confront one another. It's how we do it. And Jesus is clear of the spirit that we ought not to have and the spirit we ought to. In verse 6, he gives this rather peculiar verse. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample underfoot and they will turn and tear it to pieces. Some people see Jesus being very derogatory there towards the Gentiles, which often referred to as dogs and pigs. I don't think that's the case. I think he's simply using it as an analogy. Analogy that lifts up the principle of discernment. You don't give sacred food to dogs, they'll tear it to pieces. You don't give valuable items to pigs, all they do is trample it. He's an analogy. It's unwise to to share spiritual truths who those who consistently and persistently reject it. It's fruitless to times to share these moral insights and these moral judgments. People who are not part of the kingdom of God are often unwilling or unable to accept spiritual insights. Even Christians at times are unwilling to accept caring confrontation and therefore the same principle applies to them. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the person without the Holy Spirit cannot accept the things and the judgments that come from the Spirit of God because they consider them foolishness and cannot understand them. We need spiritual discernment, folks. To people who do not claim Christ as Lord, my advice is don't expect them to act as believers. Let God be the judge of the moral behavior. Even Jesus was the one who said, I will offload that to my Father. We need to be concerned and engage in friendship to people who are outside of the fold. Show deep compassion, honesty, which is central to Jesus. In Covenant Companion this month, uh, Gary Walter said, the most important is that people come to know Jesus. The central to the heart of the covenant is to see ultimately people be introduced to Jesus. Engage in friendship, show deep compassion and honesty, but we desire more than anything else people to be introduced to the Savior who is Christ. Milton Ingebrigtsen said, if evangelism is not, if evangelism is not our first priority, it will quickly become no priority at all. The burning need what we have for people who are outside the fold that we don't need to be running around making moral judgments is they need to find Jesus. The most important thing they need is to find Jesus because that has eternal consequences. But if we're a Christian community, there's something we need to think about. It's really important that we engage in meaningful relationships. Nobody stands on the sidelines. You might have one friend, one person in your life, but nobody stands on the sidelines because the only way we can help one another in this area described in this chapter is to engage in meaningful relationships. Any involvement in confronting or speaking into somebody's life must flow from a friendship and a relationship. But then we need to be there for each other. Care enough to confront and come alongside a person who's in a sinful cycle of destructive behavior. But we do that with deep compassion, and we do it with deep 
discernment. We're careful about our discerning as to the time, as to how we do it, as to our attitude as we approach one another. When I find myself getting off track, and getting off track in this area, because I certainly can, what I do as often as all in other areas of my life, I go back to the centrality of the grace of God. How can a person, how can I, who has received such a recipient of such incredible grace and love of a loving Heavenly Father who reaches into my life and says to me, I love you, I want you to be my child, I will accept you, and I want you to walk with me. How can I, with such incredible grace that's been extended to me by a loving Father embodied in the Savior who is our Savior Jesus, how can I treat people so inappropriately and get off track. Often we have to trace ourselves back to the powerful grace of God and rebuild it from there. Amen.